All right, they cute. I think they're the best. Our kids are so awesome. And Jonathan and Ruth are the best children's pastors in the world. I believe that. Um, and I am honored to have, have my, my child uh, being pastored by them. It's just an incredible honor to have them. Um, uh, today is a little bit different. Uh, if, it's, if, you're, if you're new with us, if you're kind of first time, uh, we're going through a series on the gospel according to Disney. And today, as your bulletin shows you, we're supposed to be doing Brave. Well, my wife was on deck, and um, uh, we had a... How many people have kids? <laughs> and and you, you get the, my tummy hurts, my tummy hurts. And what's the parent's response whenever the kid says, my tummy hurts? It's like, sleep. go to sleep. Just, you're fine. There's nothing wrong with you. Just go to bed. <laughs> well, how, how many have been proven wrong in the... Yes. So we had a major barfarama last night. She barfed all over our bed and every, it was just, it was all night. It, she barfed so much she got into the dry heaving and it's just. So uh, my wife chose her daughter over you guys. Now, now she loves you. I mean, she's, she, she has over prepared for this message. That's my wife. She'll over prepare for things. Uh, so it's going to be a great message. So we're going to have to shelf it until we get back from vacation. Uh, but we'll, uh, Mako will do brave soon enough. Um, but she said, you know what, Josh, I don't trust you staying home with my sick child. So you're <laughs> preaching, you're preaching this morning. So, so yeah, I put this together this morning. So give me a little bit of grace. All right. Uh, tell you what, let's, um, Get your Bibles out, and we're gonna read. Uh, we're gonna read um, Ephesians chapter two. Uh, we're gonna go one through ten, and uh, uh, don't don't worry about it not being a good message because last night while Mako was getting ready for the message, uh, I really believe that God spoke to her about this scripture and about an illustration that we're going to see later. Uh, it was so poignant that we both looked at it, we both read it, and we, we cried. We, began, we, we, we wept. And the unfortunate part about it is that it, it didn't fit into her brave message. And we both came to that conclusion. This doesn't fit into this message. It's the wrong topic. It doesn't, it's not going to work. And so, um, so it's just our opportunity for, for me just to, to, to hit on what I think maybe God has, has planned for us to hear today. Um, and it's good. So if you got that out, um, let's read it. Um, let's put it up on the screen. My Bible's a little bit different than this, so I don't want to confuse you. Uh, As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins. in which you used to live when you follow the ways of this world and of the rulers of the kingdom of the air. You know who that is? Who's the ruler of the kingdom of the air? That's right. I know that guy. All right. Uh, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us have also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Everybody repeat that. It is by grace you have been saved. All right. And God raised up 
with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Jesus Christ. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and not this from yourselves. You didn't figure this out on your own, folks. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. Uh, your translation might say, we are God's workmanship. Other translations will say, we are God's masterpiece. So we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. All right, so this is what we're going to be looking at today, this, just this one scripture. Um, yesterday morning, uh, I, I have, sometimes I have to do funerals. I'd rather do weddings, but sometimes you've got to do funerals. And so I did a funeral for a, a church uh, member. They, they haven't been here in years. Chances are no one really knows this family. Um, but I, I did this, uh, this funeral for this elderly lady, and uh, uh, she was born in Japan, Okinawa, Japan, in 1932, I think. And um, she survived Hiroshima in the sixth grade. So it just, you know, bringing, having our kids up here at the beginning and, and just knowing what the world has in store for them and just think, we've been doing this for a long time, and our kids have been at risk for a long time. And she developed some issues from from that blast that she survived, and God healed her one day in her old age. So she had asthma, and God healed her of that. But she, uh, she was a beautiful woman, beautiful on the inside, beautiful on the outside, and uh, she survived a blast. She, she married an American GI, so she went through a lot of cultural uh, issues on being married and being Japanese in those times. So she came, they overcame a lot of obstacles. And when she came to America... Um, she traded one religious tradition for another. It was better for her to be of a mainline denominational church and then to be the traditional Buddhist. And so she traded one tradition for another. But it wasn't until 1975 that she met Jesus and she became born again and she became filled with the Holy Spirit. And so there was, a, there, was a, there was a religion and then there became a relationship and she was empowered her entire life from this relationship that she had. And there was one case where she, she's a hard worker. She worked at a restaurant for 37 years as a waitress. And one day uh, she, uh, actually I was longer than that. Uh, one day somebody came in and robbed the restaurant and she survived another violent attack. And it was, it was a bad one. And from that point on, her and her husband would say the Lord's Prayer every single morning before they got up. That one prayer, the most powerful prayer in the Bible. They would, they would, they would pray that prayer every single day, and she never faced a day of violence since. And they were always provided for so it was, a, it was a sweet moment, and it was, up at, it was, at, uh, it was at Forest Lawn, that, that big fancy mortuary up there, and I was talking with the funeral director, and he was a character, and it was his first day back, because he, he had a minor surgery. Uh, he had a minor surgery that went horribly wrong, because he died. So he, it was his first day back, and so he had some intestinal stuff, and so he died for a moment there. And... Um, 
he said, Pastor, it was the strangest experience that I had. He says, I've had all kinds of really strange experiences being a funeral, funeral director. You know, I, I, we, we did a mafia funeral once where the Secret Service, like, swapped out all the, all the directors, and, and they, we had to give them our jackets, and they put a sniper on the roof, and they were going to get a guy. And uh, he, he did, uh, he did uh, uh, Elizabeth Taylor's funeral, met all the Hollywood stars. And so it was just kind of cool to meet this guy. First day back, he says, yeah, I died. He says, this is the interesting thing about, about my, my near-death experience. He says, everybody says that, you know, they experience the light at the end of the tunnel, that, you know, that white light that, that draws them. You know, and I heard that other people have, like, the outer body experience. He says, you know what? My experience was not like that. He says, when I was, when I was dead... I experienced darkness. I experienced blackness. And now this is a believer, well, at least so I know. We, did, we, were, we were like new best friends, so it's hard for me to tell. But um, so he's like, so what do you think that means, Pastor? I'm like, I don't know. Are, 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 are you okay with the Lord? He says, yeah. He says, in fact, um, I wasn't scared. He says, even though I was being drawn into something that I couldn't see, I was being drawn into the darkness, uh, I was completely at peace. I said, well, that's interesting. I think you're okay. So, <laughs> uh, so now that you've had this near-death experience, is it, what are you going to do? He says, I'm going to go fishing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but okay, but that, got my, that, got, that got my mind thinking. That got me thinking, okay. Okay, God is the God of light. God is the God of uh, illumination. And in him, there is no darkness. So why would this element of darkness, why would he be okay with that? And so I began to think about it scripturally in some stories. And then, of course, the first thing that came to mind was Moses. Moses had, uh, he was the first to have this really intense uh, personal connection with God. I mean, all the other patriarchs did too, but he's the only one, and he's the first one that says, when Moses talked to God, he talked to God face to face as, as one would talk to a friend. So he was able to develop an intimacy with the Lord that, that is actually New Testament in nature. How did he do that? Well, we're going to get there. But, but what's interesting, when Moses connected with God, as one does with a friend, tells us specifically that Moses walked into darkness to connect with God. Now, isn't that interesting? It's like he walked into a heavy mist. And if anybody understood what darkness meant or how dangerous it was, it was Moses. Because he saw that unleashed on the very country of Egypt. When the darkness fell, when the Lord's darkness fell on the, the country of Egypt, it was a darkness that could be felt. And it was from the Lord. It's interesting, right? So a darkness that was so intense that not even the candles and the lamps could light the room up. Interesting, yeah. So it was, it, was, it was a darkness that could be felt. And here's the, here's the scary truth, is that this darkness also killed, too. This is the angel of death that came on the country. But it was also the same darkness that drew Moses into an intimacy that is paramount. What does it mean? If anybody had the right to be terrified of darkness, it was Moses, right? And for some reason, he had this courage to walk into that presence, to take that risk, and just to, just to move into something that he did not know. 
Another great illustration of this is Jesus himself. I mean, the, the, the most perfect guy on the planet. He, Jesus was just pure perfection. And, I mean, he was God in the flesh. He was God incarnate. And yet, uh, after his baptism, after his time of, of being commissioned, his first assignment was to move into the wilderness. So he was, he was led into, if you will, a, a, a dark situation. What does the Bible tell us? Who led Jesus into the darkness? Who led Jesus into the wilderness? Can I take a guess? It was the Holy Spirit. It wasn't, it wasn't the, the prince of the air. It wasn't the devil that led him into the darkness. It was the Holy Spirit himself that led Jesus into the darkness to be tempted. This is, this is difficult stuff. This is stuff that... Um, that, that challenges me, that, that frankly, it scares me. Now, a lot of us in this room have stepped across that line of faith where we've said, all right, I'm going to believe in my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because I don't want to go to hell. Not, not, not a bad thing to do. Um, but we've stepped across that line of faith and we have received um, salvation. I'm, I'm telling you, as somebody that's been walking with the Lord for a while, um, I have stepped into salvation a long time ago, but connecting with God, going into that, that darkness or that desire to, to commune with God on a deeper level, um, that doesn't take a step of salvation or a step of faith necessarily. You know what it takes? It takes the courage to yield to God. It takes the courage to submit to the Lord. It takes the courage to release everything that you have. And it's a, it's a, for me, I've had a lot of God experiences, and for me, it's a scary proposition. For me, it is, God, if I do this, if I, do, if I go into a deeper place with you, it's going to hurt, isn't it? And you know what the Lord says? Yep. <laughs> it's not going to be easy. Being, being led into the wilderness is not an easy thing. And for me, it would be easier to ignore it to ignore the, the, the leanings of Jesus or the leanings of the Holy Spirit the, where he's, he's pulling me, right? Because he's pulling, this is going to sound weird, he's pulling me into things that I don't know. That's why I think this, this, this being led into darkness is so powerful because what God wants to tell us and tell me in this church is when I call you, you're not going to get the picture, when I call you into something, you, you, don't, you don't get to have the plan. You don't get to see the light at the end of the tunnel. You have to, you have to come in and you have to take the risk. And, and unfortunately, Josh, you're not in control. And the only way that I can teach you that you're not in control is that you have to step into something that you don't see. And that's scary. Because when I get drawn into something that I don't see, um, I don't know how I'm going to react. 
I don't know how, I don't know how, am I going to fight it? Am I going to freak out? Am I going to cry? Am I going to be emotional? Am I, uh, what's going to happen? What, what is, okay, what's my soul going to do if, if I'm too close to God? What's my body going to do if I get too close to God? And so, scary stuff. Um, David, who also had a very intimate connection to God, he also had this New Testament revelation of what it means to be in a relationship with God and not be in religion with God. He, uh, he knew God's love. He would say in his Psalms over and over and over again, Lord, your love endures forever. Your righteousness and your goodness and your kindness endure forever. So he would say these things over and over again about the goodness and the nature and the character of God, all based in love. And then at the end, in Psalms 111, the end of Psalms 111, he says, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. He was the first one to come up with that. So whenever we say the fear of the Lord, what do you, what do you naturally think of? Yeah, I, I don't want to go to hell. I've, been, I've done some naughty things. I've done some bad things. I don't want to go to hell because I'm scared of that place, right? Okay, um, I'm going to be really transparent. Um, it is okay. If you've done something really bad, it's okay to fear the Lord. Now, we're trying to get guilt out of our, out of our, out of our culture, and you know, we don't want people to feel guilty. And, and you know what? Jesus doesn't want you to feel guilty either. That's why he died on the cross. But we, in our mind, we want to shortcut what God has done. We want to shortcut the cross. And we want to say, you don't have to feel guilty about anything. But here's the problem. People that do not feel remorse and guilt for when they have hurt people or when they've manipulated or when they've stolen for their own personal gain, if they don't feel a tinge of guilt or shame, uh, they have, we have a term for that. And it's called psychopath. <laughs> I'm dead serious. That is the definition of a psychopath. They will take advantage of people. They'll hurt people. They'll manipulate situations for their own good, and they don't feel any remorse. That's the definition of a psychopath. And so to say, oh, guilt is bad, that means saying, let's just develop a society of psychopaths. And what Jesus is saying, yeah, guilt is bad, but I can fix it. We can completely eliminate guilt because of what we just read, because of the grace of God. Because, yes, we were once like those people, but now we are not. We are what? We are God's creation. Now that, my friends, is a difficult thing to get into our heads. That God has created us, and he has designed us. We are made in the image of God, the Imago Dei. And uh, his desire is that we think like he does, we act like he does, we we do our best to become the very image of Jesus himself. That's our goal. You know, see, that's how God sees us. God sees us as being complete, as how he's originally designed us. So when he's looking down at heaven and he sees you, he sees you as you ought to be. But unfortunately, you do not. You see yourself as you are, and then you amplify all of your problems. The solution, the solution to coming to this, this, this um, uh, system that we find ourselves in, this, 
This downward spiral where all we're doing is we're looking at how bad we are and how we have messed up and how, our, how there's no way that we could be like Jesus. You know, what we do is we, we will focus and we'll obsess and we'll take a good hard look at all of our problems. Right? I have a chemical addiction to a foreign substance and so in order for me to fix this problem, I'm going to put all my energy and focus on becoming sober. I'm going to completely obsess my life about becoming sober, right? Another interesting, this is a, this is a study that was done on, uh, on black youth a while back, is that um, in the 70s, black youth were terrified of uh, getting thrown in jail. It was a fear that they carried around with them always, and since they obsessed about getting thrown in jail, their fear brought out their actions, and it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. So the more that, that we obsess and we focus about our problems, it actually keeps us there. What Jesus tells us, what the Bible tells us, is that your problem is not your problem. I'm going to make a huge generalization, and you're not going to believe me. But love fixes everything. Love fixes everything. And if we allow God to love us fully, if we can actually take courage and to step into some scary places with God, if we, have, uh, we want to risk and surrender and allow God to love us, all of our problems will be fixed. That, that, that's a really, <laughs> that one's hard to get down, isn't it? But it's true. It's true. Could you imagine if your entire life and your entire being was completely directed and guided by God's love? Where there was no fear of, okay, if I, if I don't do this right, God's going to get me. And, you know, I, I just cannot help myself. Like, I know I'm going to blow it. I'm going to try, 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 try. And then I'm, I know I'm going to blow it. But instead saying, all right, I'm going to allow love dictate everything in my life. I'm going to let God in. Here's the thing. God is the God of the universe, right? He is the God of everything that's ever been created, including time and space, and it's a galaxy completely mind-boggling. And he's big, and you're not. And you're, you're, you are small. God is big, you are small, but he has the capacity to get inside of you. Infinite resources, infinite joy, infinite possibilities when the love of God is allowed to come into your heart. All right, here's, this, here's the truth about our human nature. Here's the truth about me. It is easier for me to focus on or try to address my problems. It's easier for me to focus on my problems than it is for me to allow God in. Like if I had to choose between, all right, Josh, you have to do your budget this week, or... Josh, you need to let God in. You need to surrender. You need to yield. You need to relinquish control. 
I'm going to work on my budget. <laughs> I would rather do things that are difficult and hard than to allow God in because I'm afraid. I have a fear of the Lord, and it, that's a good thing. Well, what am I really afraid of? Is it, well, I don't know about you, but I have been worked over by the Holy Spirit. That doesn't feel good. And then it feels really good. But at first it doesn't feel good, but then it feels really good. Any amen on that? I mean, I, I just... <laughs> And instead of me saying, all right, I have issues with budgeting, or I've got issues with anger, or I've got issues with lust, and I really need to take care of that. And so instead of me trying to fix my own problems, I get myself to the point where I allow the Holy Spirit to do its work in his own time. That's the better way to go. Because true growth happens then. True maturity happens then. Again, it's just, it's easier to work on our problems than it is to let God in. God is out to completely transform us into the likeness of his son. All right. Uh, the illustration that, that God brought to us, and we've seen it before. Some of us have seen it before. But Crystal, let's go ahead and show this, this video. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a, a masterpiece, you know? I mean, maybe a Picasso. It's like, <laughs> but I want to be his masterpiece. I want to be everything he created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, dear Heavenly Father, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer. That's how it works. Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what? I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky. Yeah, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Okay, okay. Um, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is only five chapters. It's a very short book. Oh, why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh, okay, okay. If you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. What gave it away? You answered my question with a question. I did? <sighs> yeah, I do that. Don't I? I did it again. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm going to make you my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Wait, wait. What are these about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. Oh, hey, God. Mm -hmm. How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave? 
I take out everything in your life that doesn't belong there, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of dead weight, could you chisel right here? It showed up when I was in my 20s and grew around and became back fat. I don't even know why you created that, but I can't get rid of it. I mean, I've tried everything. Like, I tried running, I tried lifting weights. My wife actually talked me into trying Pilates. That was awkward, but I can't get rid of it. So if you would just chisel around here, and then, you know what, if you chisel a line right here and maybe four to five, maybe eight lines right here, that would be awesome. You're funny. You made me that way. I also made the platypus. With the platypus? All I'm saying is most of my children, when it comes to this process, they just want to talk, but they don't want to do the work. So do you want to talk or can I chisel? Talk, chisel, No, talk, no, chisel. no, 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 no. I choose to chisel. All right. Through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to bring up things in your life that I want you to work on. Like your anger. I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrong way. Um, you compare yourself to others instead of me. You tell little white lies because you want to people please. You're lazy. But you try to fool everybody by looking really, really busy. You have a problem with lust? Time out. <laughs> I don't really have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. Hang on a second. I mean, I, I gotta admit, I, I feel like you've been doing some great work and I'm looking pretty good right now. All right, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and other people need to see my son. Okay, don't misunderstand me. It's just um, when I look more like Jesus, people get uncomfortable around me. I mean, even my church friends and they're like, oh, you're holier than thou, you know? And, and I, don't, I don't think I'm supposed to make people uncomfortable. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. That is not what I said. It's what you meant. Yes, it is. Um, it's hard to talk to you. You know everything that I'm thinking. I'm just saying you've done some great work. Maybe we take a break, a sabbatical from each other, you know. I'll stay right here and then, you That's know. That's just it. You never just stay right there. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but never you just stay. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things in your life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, no, chisel. No, chisel, chisel. All right. But can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Now this right here, this secret sin that you keep running to whenever you're hurting, angry, lonely, tired, that you think you're fooling everybody, but it's making you a whitewashed tomb. Are you ready for me to chisel this out of your life? Yeah. You see, it's a process. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's your whole life. And you care so deeply about what other people think of you. It's rubbish. It's garbage. The greatest thing you're ever gonna hear is at the end of your life when you hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what you keep your eye on. That's the prize, heavenward. Oh, that hurts. Oh, trust me, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. Okay, I'm sorry. I just, I don't think you understand this pain. Pardon me? You're asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Don't. Talk to me about sacrifice. I know all about sacrifice. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you've been doing for years, these empty 
wells that don't have anything to offer. You've been going to them and it's insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. Um, allow me to produce character when you keep focusing so much on your image. Okay, but I was thinking. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Okay, but if we went another way. Your ways are not oh, my ways. Oh, I can't. You can't what? I, I, I can't be good. That's your excuse. That's your excuse is that you can't be good. It's not an excuse. I can't. Oh, my child. In the beginning, I said it was good. I made you good. Be good. Yeah, but you and I both... What? Nothing. No, what is it? Nothing, okay? You wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. It's just, um... I let you down so many times, God. No, my child. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand. Never the other way around. In this relationship, I hold you up. Okay. Chisel away. Just, just be prepared for what you're going to find in there. Because I know who's inside there. Because I get up every morning and I look at him in the mirror and I hate who I see. Because deep inside there, this, this, this little kid who gets up every morning and dresses like an adult. And I go out and I, and I try to do what I'm supposed to do, but I can't, okay? I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I want to be, much less who you created me to be. And so inside is this scared, stupid little kid. But you chisel away, just... Be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not from me. And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't take time to make junk. How can I show you that my love for you stretches as far as the east to the west? That How can I show you that my love for you has no end? I know. Reach your back pocket. What? Reach your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach your back pocket. Oh, God. Yes? I just went, God, I'll do that right now. You were just saying my name in vain. Come on. It's, it's a name. It's a saying. It's a name above all names. It's more than a saying. It's more than a name. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. Oh my gosh. You know what that is? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a note. I, I wrote it when I was in college. How did you get this? Hello? Oh yeah. Go ahead, read it. I love Angie. Other side. Sorry. Dear God, did I hear you right today? Did I hear you say that you love me? Even though you and I both know I've messed up so many times. Did I hear you say you want to use me? And I feel so useless. If you'll take me, 
then use me then. God, I give you all that I am. Take me. I love you, God. I love you too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. This salvation that you hold, I don't want it to be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And when problems come and chaos happens, don't look at it as a prison, but look at it as a father discipline his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. I know, but it's going to be tough. Yes, but you bought into the lie thinking everything was going to be easy when you gave everything over to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's... No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you, but maybe for the first time in your life, the way I see you, the way I created you. Tommy... Is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece. All right. I know, that the best? So... What God's told me is that for everyone in the room, whether, I don't care where you're at in your spiritual growth and development or whether you've even stepped across the line of faith, there's, there's a seed. There's um, uh, almost like a prophetic day that God has planned for you where you will be called into, for lack of a better word, darkness, the Lord's darkness, where you're not going to have control, where you're not going to see what's lying ahead. And I want you to, this is, not a, this is not a step of faith. This is not a leap of faith. A step of faith and a leap of faith is knowing what God is, God's assignment is, that it's impossible, and you're just, you're just going to go for it. I, I'm good at that sometimes, you know. I like leaps of faith. I'm a big faith guy. Uh, surrender is a different animal altogether. I don't like that one. And so... The seed is that for each and every one of us, you're going, to be, you're going to be presented that day or that moment where the Holy Spirit calls you to something like this, where you're going to be drawn into something that you don't know, and, it requ- and for you to enter, it requires submission. It requires you to release. It, entire, it requires you to completely just Let go of control. Yield. And those are things that our human nature just does not like to do. We don't like to yield. And for us, some people that have been walking with the Lord their entire lives, this makes sense, right? I know what that's like. I know what's going to happen when I walk into that. It's going to be... It's going to be painful, but it's going to be the best thing that I've ever done. It's all motivated by love, by God's love. And once we walk into God's love, again, it solves all of our problems.
There's this the huge, just general, don't quote me on that, because I get a lot of people angry, but it's true. God's love fixes absolutely everything. But it's not necessarily easy, is it? I had the band of the ushers come to the front, and as they're on their way up, I want you just to see this as, as it's a continuance of, uh, of worship. You know, we worship God in a lot of different ways, and surrender is one of them. I want to encourage you as, as, as a church family, if, if you're tired, if you're bored, if you're kind of just blah, going through the motions, where's God leading you? And do you have the courage to enter into the wilderness, enter into the darkness? Let him do his work on you. Because the Christian faith was never meant to be boring or blah or stale. It was never meant to be that way. We weren't created so that we could come to church and tithe. We were created so that we could advance the kingdom of God, so that we could become his creation, so that we could be formed into the image of Christ. That is what we ought to be doing. It's a huge assignment. Let's pray. God, right now, Holy Spirit, come. And right now, I pray that you will just quicken everybody's hearts and their, and their minds, God. I pray that you would just get their, their mind around what they heard. And I gotta pray that their spirit would, it would just resonate with their spirit, that that. It is by your grace that we're saved. We can't work for it. And we ought to let you do our work, do the work. We ought to yield to you, God. God, for some of us that we're so obsessed with our problems that we won't let you in, I pray that we will, we will be healed from the inside out, that our hearts would be healed first, and then all the other peripheral problems, God. You can do your work in those as well. So Holy Spirit, come. Plant those seeds in everybody's hearts where you will draw us into something that we just don't know. We love you, Lord. Amen.